Hey, welcome to another episode of our series called Behind the Shield, where we are talking to veterans and first responders uh, in honor of the month of September being the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And it is just, I've met so many great people. This is just carried over into October. And man, it's just, it's amazing what stories are out there. And I would have never gotten to meet some of these people uh, ordinarily or under different circumstances. So I'm very grateful. And, and today's guest, man, is no different. I am honored uh, to be a part of this uh, with him and have him on our show because he is, he's definitely getting a lot of traction with his new book that's out and he's got a very unique story. And I think it's going to be very encouraging to, to those of you listening, whether you have military family, whether you are former military or whether you were just a patriot like me, who is just really uh, in awe of our service members, and I really wanted to honor them. So I want to introduce um, Scott DeLucio, who is an Army veteran, uh, six years with the Army National Guard, was deployed to Afghanistan um, in 2010. He and his brother both uh, were simultaneously deployed, and um, what makes uh, Scott's story uh, unique and tragic at the same time is his brother uh, did not make it home, was killed in action. And Scott is uh, part of his Gold Star family uh, who has been dealing, coping. There's not even a big enough word really for, for having to undergo that type of circumstance. And, um, you know, he, he felt compelled to share the story, to help other veterans, to help families, and, and published a book called Surviving Son, an, Afghan, an Afghanistan war veteran uh, reveals his nightmare becoming a gold star brother. Um, and man, I, I just, I can't even imagine. He's got a podcast as well now uh, where he's just really trying to invest in that, um, the veteran population who we all know deal with PTSD, deal with just issues from wartime and loss and just tragedy but uh man i can't wait to dig into this story uh scott man formally welcome to the show man hey thanks for having me john i, I really appreciate the opportunity to to be on your show and to share my story with your audience yeah man i mean it's it's a it's definitely something that you don't come across every day um not only having a, a brother go with you and you guys be deployed, you know, together and, and, uh, but just kind of the circumstances that kind of transpired and, and you coming back and, and just, you know, him being lost in action. Uh, I, I mean, I can't even think of a better way to start other than just, man, talk about just what you dealt with in those early days, weeks, months, and, you know, you and your family and just what, you know, when you came home, what, what you were dealing with? Oh man, there, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, when, when I first found out about my brother being killed, uh, it was one of those things that just did not, it was not a possibility to me. It, it, before, before my commanding officer told me that, you know, he had been killed, 
that was, it wasn't a possibility. And, and I think the reason why was because if I thought for a second that he would either be injured or killed in the line of duty, I would have been un- unable to do my job. I, I would have been so focused on, on him. So I think I had to sort of put that out of my mind and, and just make it be like, you know what, he's going to be fine. He had previously served in Iraq. He made it through that. Um, you know, a lot, lot of, lot of uh, firefights and things like that over there, but he made it through that. So he should be fine here too, you know, and, and he's not going to get, he's not going to get hurt. He's not going to get killed. And when my commanding officer told me that uh, his unit was, was ambushed and that he had gotten hit, I immediately started thinking, okay, well, all right, he got hit, but he's probably fine. And, you know, does he need, you know, a blood transfusion or just, you know, something yeah. like that, like let, get me to him and I'll, I'll do what I can to help him. Um, and, you know, it was just, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even understand that, that he, he was killed. And, you know, after coming home, uh, well, actually, let me go back. But shortly after finding out about my brother dying, uh, my, my own unit got into a firefight as well. And I was in the, the middle of that too. And so it was just, you know, you know, adding insult to injury. It was just one bad thing after another just kept, kept going on. And, and I just, in my head, I said, okay, I need to get my head right. And I need to not let this anger that's overwhelming me right now, this, this hatred and anger towards the people of Afghanistan and all, all the, the things that I was mad at, I can't let that get the better of me. And I, I have to, I have to focus on my job and I have to, I have to do what I need to do, not only for myself so that my parents didn't get a second knock on the door. And so that my newborn son didn't end up without a father or my wife, without a husband, mm-hmm. but also for the soldiers that I was in charge of, I needed to make sure that they were safe and that they, they were, you know, positioned where they needed to be. And that they had the supplies that they needed and everything I, I needed to be their, their leader. And I couldn't do that if I was, you know, bogged down with the grief and, and everything else that I was feeling. And so I had to just set that aside. Um, but when I came home, the anger that I was talking about just stuck and I had a hard time picking up the grief again. And I would get mad at the littlest of things. Um, you know, when, when we came home, uh, there were, there were news vans lining up and down my parents' street waiting for, a, you know, an interview with us. And I just, I just hated the fact that they were there. I felt like they were vultures, that they were just looking to pick on any little piece of a story and everything like that. But, but it, it dawned on me that if we didn't tell the story, my brother's story, that they were going to run a story one way or the other. They, they could have just as easily gone to a grocery store parking lot and got a 30-second soundbite from some guy driving home with his groceries saying, oh, it's a tragedy and, and whatever. But, um, it, but it wouldn't have been my brother's story. And, mm-hmm. and then the, the media would have closed the book and that would have been it. And that my, the story of my brother, it would have ended that day. And I wasn't about to let that happen. I, I wanted to keep telling my brother's story. And, and I know, you know, various people in my family, they, they you know, either want to just close off and not talk to anybody. Other people wanted to talk to everybody. Um, and for me, it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to talk to anybody about it. It was, I felt like I needed to. And, you know, as, as time went on, you know, I, I had started jotting down some notes about, you know, what what had taken place, things, I, places I was at, things I, I was feeling and, and all that kind of stuff. And really it wasn't, you know, to write this book that I, that I ended up writing, but it was really just 
for my own memory. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely therapeutic, but you know, memory fades over time. And, you know, I wanted to, uh, you know, make sure that my, my kids had, you know, when they had questions about what I did in the war and, and what happened to their uncle and all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. I want to make sure I had the right answers and not, not just like the way I remembered it, you know, 15, 20 years later. Um, And so I ended up using some of those notes, uh, you know, all these, these years later to write this book. And, and I came up with uh, this, the story that, that basically talked about uh, our, our journey throughout our lives, you know, as, as kids growing up in a patriotic family, you know, respecting the military and all that kind of stuff and, and going on through, you know, what caused us to join the military. And then, then more importantly, what happened afterwards and, and how it affected our family and, and how it affected our, our, our lives. You know, it was, it was just a, a tragic situation and that we had to learn how to live with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you mentioned that briefly about you guys. What was the reason you guys joined the military? What what was behind that? Did you come from a long line of, of pedigree that were in the military or what, was there another motivator? You know, my, my grandfather uh, on my dad's side, he was in the Navy during World War II. He was at Iwo Jima and he was in the Philippines and, and places mm-hmm. like that. And so uh, so he, he served uh, dur- during, during that time period. Uh, my, my other grandfather was, uh, he grew up in Poland during World War II. And, you know, we all know how that, that turned out mm-hmm. for the people of Poland, you know, not, mm-hmm. not very good. Uh, so he had, he had a really rough life growing up, you know, it, they, they didn't come from much money, but, you know, they, they ended up getting captured by the Nazis and being forced into, you know, various labor uh, type situations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just was not a good situation. So, um, you know, when my, my parents were, were younger, uh, they had missed the Vietnam war by probably about a year or two, you know, when the draft ended, they, they were about a 17 or so when, when the draft ended and, so they, they never ended up serving, but they knew a lot of people who did, uh, people that they went to school with and uh, people in their neighborhood and, and whatnot that, that went overseas to Vietnam and either didn't come back at all or, you know, came back different. And so they, they were aware of, of the, the dangers that, that kind of came with military service. Um, but they were extremely proud of my brother and I for making this, this, the decision to serve. Um, when when 9-11 happened, I was in, in college. Uh, I was a sophomore in college and, and I had considered just dropping out of school right right then and there. Uh, and my brother was in high school and I, I think he he almost wanted to drop out of high school too, but you know, yeah. he knew he he needed to stick in. But um, you know, I, I decided to stay in college, get my degree. And you know, if the war was still going on after, you know, a couple of years, I'd I'd reconsider it at that point. Um, in, in 2004, my, my brother started going to, uh, Norwich university, which is a military college up in Vermont. And he, he met a guy up there who was in the national guard, the Vermont army national guard. And, uh, he found out a little bit more about that and found out that, you know, that seems like a, a good thing for, for him to do was to join the, the national guard. So he did. So he, he joined the national guard while he was in college and, and I was extremely proud of him. You know, I, I, you know, talk about, you know, sometimes with, uh, other people that, that we were, I, you know, almost like idolizing, uh, uh, soldiers and stuff, you know, we, yeah. we those were our, our superheroes growing up, you know, yeah. that, you know, it wasn't Superman or, or whatever. It was, it was the, the military and first responders and stuff that that's who we looked up to. And then, then all of a sudden my, my kid brother is now one of these people. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is amazing. And, uh, and, and a few months later, I started hearing these reports in the news that the military was struggling to meet their recruiting numbers in, in 2005. And 
And that, that just ate me up. It just got under my skin. Like what happened to all those people back right after nine 11, who were ready to move mountains to, to go back and, and fight against this enemy. What, where are all those people? And then I had a good long, hard look in the mirror and it said, you know what? I am those people. I, I was that pissed off back then. And I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to, to do that. And I still haven't done anything about it. And so, so now I'm, I'm like, okay, well, I need to do something about it. I'm young enough. I'm fit enough. Why not me? And, and so that's, that's why I, I joined was, was because I, I wanted to do something. Uh, you know, I knew, knew our country needed the, needed the soldiers, needed the, the manpower. And so I said, well, you know, what? why not? Let, let me do it. Yeah. Yeah. And <clears throat> I mean, why not be the superheroes that you guys grew up idolizing? Right. I mean, why not step right. into those shoes and, and little did you know, kind of what was, ahead of you. But uh, man, as you started putting those thoughts together and start writing that book, and did you feel like it was helping you? And I hate the word cope because you never fully heal from something that you guys like this, that you went through, but as you're putting it together and then after publishing it, did you feel like it maybe patched up a few of those open wounds or maybe even just kind of help with some of the hemorrhaging emotionally that you were going through? And, and if so, how? Yeah, it, it was definitely a therapeutic process for me. Uh, when I first started writing about the the time when my brother was killed and like all, all of the, mm -hmm. the things that went on, it, it was, it was hard emotionally. It was difficult to write about that. And, and I found myself jumping to other parts of the story and I was like, Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go write about that instead. And, and just, you know, procrastination, just not ready for it. that and yet. I'll be ready I, for I that just, later. Yeah, exactly. You know? Um, but then, then one day I was like, you know, what? I, I just need to rip off this bandaid and, and just do it and just write mm -hmm. about it. And, and I tell you what, as soon as I did, it was like this big weight was just lifted off my shoulders. And, and it wasn't like I was carrying around this burden of this story that I, I knew, and I had in the back of my head and I, you know, and, and I've told the story out loud verbally. I, I've talked about it on my podcast. I've talked mm -hmm. about it to other people before, but th there was just something about it, just getting it down in words and, and kind of perfecting how, how the story was being told, um, you know, because I, I can fumble through, you know, saying, saying a story just as sure. easily as anybody else, but, sure. you know, get, getting it out there in, in words and just really making sure that it, the story was, was being told and that it was being done justice. Uh, it just, it just something about it just lifted this weight off my shoulders. Yeah. It, it had to feel good to know that you were telling it the right way and you were honoring him in a way like this was a symbol of honor to him and his memory and and to your parents too i mean um you know we talk about some of the things that sustain us through tragedy and that's what i want the audience to to come away with from some of this is seeing somebody come out on the other side um somebody that this could have very well happened to you right the roles could have very right. well been reversed um so what sustained you when you got home you, you kind of processed through the book and some of the the details uh, of losing your brother um what sustained you you know uh through that spiritually uh emotionally what what do you feel like was your anchor in that time you know i had my, my, my faith was, was really tested, you know, during the, during this time, it was, it was something that I was, I was starting to to question things, you know, mm -hmm. especially the day that my brother was killed. Mm -hmm. uh, he was 25 years old when, when he, when he died. And I just couldn't imagine like, why, why something like this happening to, to such a good person at such a young age. And I remember the day he, he was killed uh, later on that night, I was, 
I was in a shower uh, stall in, in Afghanistan and I remember just saying out loud, why Stephen, why? And it wasn't like I was talking to him, like I was delusional, like he was standing there or, yeah. or anything like that. But I was saying, I was calling out to God really. Uh, and I was saying, why, why did he have to take my brother at, at mm-hmm. such a young age? Why, why did he have to do this to him? Why him and not anybody else? Why, why him and not me? Uh, mm-hmm. You know what? Just, just why? And I had this, this moment, this, this moment of clarity and calm kind of came over me. And I realized that there's no answer that God or anybody could give me that, that would be something that I would be okay with. Like, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, if he was to say, oh, well, he was sacrificed so that, you know, this X, Y, and Z could happen. I would be like, well, so what? I don't, I don't want that to happen. I want him back, you know? Um, and so the, this moment of clarity was that I just had to be okay with whatever the reason was. Um, I, I knew that God's plan was good, you know, for my, my upbringing, I, I, I learned about God and his, his, uh, his plan for us and that he, he always has, you know, the best intentions and I just had to be okay with that. And, and it was, you know, strangely calming, uh, to, Mm. to think about this, this way, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, after I got home, uh, I, I did struggle a lot with, uh, with the anger issues that I had and the, the PTSD and depression and uh, drinking too much and, and all these things that, that are unfortunately all too common with uh, yeah. people who are, you know, coming out of a deployment yeah. and coming out of traumatic situations like this. Um, and I, I had times where I, I kind of forgot about that moment of clarity, you know, and I, and it, but then I, I come back to that and I, I just have to just remind myself that I have to just be okay with it. And, and that I'm on the path that I should be on that our, all of our lives are, are kind of taking the right trajectory and, you know, we'll, we'll be better off if we just trust in, in his plan. And so that, that's what I've had to do, uh, you know, throughout the years is just kind of con- continuously remind myself that, that, you know, uh, I can't lean into my own understanding. I, I have to lean into his understanding. Of, yeah, of but you took the words out of my mouth. I was about to say, you know, when you, you stand on a truth that is what God says in his, in his word, you stand on it, but at the same time, in certain moments, it doesn't always make it digestible. And that scripture that you just said came to me, lean not on your own understanding, right? And trust him in all right. ways. And he'll make your path, you know, he'll direct your path. And that, that isn't always easy to conceptualize and internalize to where it's healing for you, right? You still got to deal with some of the flood of those emotions and that anger, like you said, and depression, like that's almost inevitable. Uh, but it sounds like somehow you stayed on that foundation. And even though you got knocked around a little bit, it sounds like you always came back to that center, right? Right. And you know what, it, it's, it's almost like, you know, if you ever watch one of those kind of funny videos where, where someone's standing on the beach and a big wave comes and knocks them yeah. over and stuff, you know, it, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, but, but, you know, it's almost, it's almost like that where, where you, you get a wave that comes and knocks you over. And I mean, you get back up and you stand, yeah. it's not like you just like let the wave sweep you out to sea. You, you got to get back up and you know, if where you need to be is on top of that, that rock or that cliff or, you know, whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. you, you get back up there and that, that's where you, you go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there may be another wave coming right after that one, but, but you get back up to where, where you need to be, um, you know, and, and you weather the storm yeah. as best as you can. 
yeah. you know, and that, that's, that's kind of how I, I see it. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. And that was for somebody, I think somebody going through and, and they can fill in the blank with whatever their particular wound is or, or their tragedy is. And, and I know there's guys, you know, that came back that maybe not, maybe not a blood relative they lost, but some people that they felt were as close as a brother sometimes that come back and they've lost them and, and that guilt that comes with it. And, and just some of that, why not me, you know, why them? And man, as you're writing this book, I just, I felt compelled to ask you like, what, I guess, what about that story were you most compelled to tell? Like what was kind of a, a light bulb moment as you're writing this, this process of putting this story together and, and telling his story, like, what about it? stood out to you like as being that one thing you wanted to to kind of land the plane for the readers like what was that one takeaway and I'm sure there's many but did you have like something go off in you that you're like this is really the crux of what I want someone to benefit from yeah you know when I first started writing the book I I had the idea of writing this self-help book kind of thing and and, mm -hmm. and all that and then I was like you know what I don't even have my own stuff together so how am I gonna write sure, a self-help sure, book sure. you know yeah. but but I did want it to be helpful I, I wanted I wanted people to take away, uh, you know, that there is hope for you, that there is, you know, uh, a uh, a purpose and a meaning behind everything, and and that, you know, uh, I said I've said this to other people before that you didn't come this far just to come this far, you know, mm. uh, you know, you've gone gone through some terrible things, mm. some people, you know, you, you've you've experienced these tragedies, you're 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 your career, your family, your, your friends, you know, whatever, uh, you know, there's been some suffering there. Um, but you, you didn't experience that suffering just for the sake of experience that suffering and just to come this far and then quit. Um, and, and on my podcast, we, we talk about, uh, people, you know, the, the stresses of combat and the, the PTSD and, and the veteran suicide, uh, epidemic that's going mm -hmm. on. And, and, you know, we, we can't just quit, you know, there, there's more out there. And, and I want people to, to look at, at me and my situation and, and as tragic of a situation as it was and say, you know what, if he can make it through this and, and albeit, you know, not an easy, necessarily an easy uh, way through, but if he made it through and he's, he's gotten to, uh, you know, a place where he's now able to go out and help other people, then, you know, why can't I do that too? You know, maybe you're not out helping other people every single day, but, but you, you know, you're out there and uh, you know, you're, you're making a difference in, in your community, in your family, in your, your, your church or your school or your job or whatever it is, you're out there and you're, you're doing something to, to make a difference. And, yeah. and let me tell you, if, if you think that you've, you've tried everything, um, if, if, if you, you think you've, you've, uh, you know, work through as many of the problems as you can, but you're still, still su suffering and struggling. Uh, you haven't, there's so many people out there who are, are looking to help you. And so, you know, one of the big takeaways is I, I wanted people to know that, that there are people out there that, that can help them and, and that there are healthy ways to deal with the, the things that they're struggling with and, yeah. and learn, I mean, quite frankly, learn, learn from my mistakes. You know, oh, yeah. I, I made plenty of them. Sure. And, and so, yeah, I mean, your podcast obviously is, is helping tell that story on behalf of other veterans and, and pouring into them. Did you have a vision for that podcast when you originally set out to do it? Was it pretty black and white of, I just want to get it out there that 
these are people struggling or these are people who have overcome or did, what was your vision and of, of the podcast? Was it similar to the book or did you have kind of a different direction you wanted to take it? You know, I started writing the book right around the same time as the podcast. So I think they were, they were sort of linked in, in a way. Um, but when I started the podcast, I, I'll admit right now that I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Uh, uh, I, as far as the technology side or anything like that, I, preaching I, to the choir, I buddy. Preaching to the choir I, on that one. <laughs> I think I've I've talked to so many other hot, uh, podcast hosts who who didn't have a clue either, and, sure. and you know we're we're still here. I'm I'm over two years now in, into doing nice. it, and I'm I'm loving it. So, uh, but you know the the goal for me was was to help people. Uh, I I personally knew several veterans who. I served with, and they took their own lives to PTSD or you know, whatever the issues were that they were dealing with. And that just was not okay with me. I mean, one is too many, but when you start, you know, adding up these numbers and, and then when you realize just how big of a problem, uh, some of the mental health issues are amongst the veteran community. Uh, it, I said, you know what, there's a lot being done, but more needs to be done. And so what I wanted to do with the podcast was to share stories of other people who had their own stories, their own inspirational stories uh, that that could help inspire other people to uh, to continue to to have hope for themselves, to not just give up and, and quit, thinking that you know what all hope is lost or, or whatever. But I also wanted to talk to the the, the nonprofits and other providers of services to, to veterans who are out there making a difference, but a lot of them, you know, they don't have huge budgets to, to get their message out there to, to, to wide audiences and things like that. So I want to, I want to help get spread the message about what they're doing, get their word out there and, and make it so that other people can find them easily and get the resources that they need. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, talk about the VA and, you know, they're maybe they're not doing enough for, for the veterans and everything. And, and, you know, they're doing the best they can with the resources that they have available. It's a government bureaucracy, like just about anything. And, you know, uh, you know, it is what it is. And, and yeah. so, you know, if, if you don't want to use the VA, you don't, you want to go someplace else. There are so many other organizations out there who, who are just asking to help veterans and, and get them the help that they need. And, and so, there's no reason not to, to reach out. And that's, that's, you know, the, the, basically the background on, on the podcast is, you know, just getting, getting the message out there and, and making it so that people have hope for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great, that's a great cause and it's a great uh, vision. That's obviously going to be the fuel that kind of, you know, ignites, keeps your fire going because once it's, you know, it's not about you and, how popular your podcast is. It's about talking to people who have lived it and then people who are trying to provide resources to help, so, to help those people overcome. And so you've yeah. made it about something other than you, which is, I think what drives us. That's what, I mean, that's what I do. Like it's just, and, and I hope that's what a lot of people who are trying to tell stories of other people are trying to get it out there beyond themselves and, and drive change and make a difference. And, and I kind of had something, this is off script and it hit me as you're talking and I just, I'm processing some of the things you went through, like personally, and mm -hmm. your parents, I'm sure had their own set of emotions they were dealing with, but I, I would think they're very similar to what you're dealing with or were dealing with. And it's not like that thing ever goes away. So you're, you're kind right. of on a constant process and roller coaster emotionally. So to help, I, I kind of just had this come over me to ask you, um, you know, if, if I guess to help, 
yourself, like if you and your brother were, were had flipped roles and it, it was you and not him, what would you say to you if you were the surviving son, right? And he was the surviving son. What, what do you think he would want you to know or want to tell you to kind of keep you driving forward? Like what would, what would be the message from him you think uh, to just kind of, I don't know, make you feel a little bit more at peace about the situation and what your role is now? Wow. That's a, that's a good question. Um, I wasn't know, planned either. So I apologize for catching you off guard, but I just know like maybe God was telling me to ask you that. I don't know. You know what? I, th I think that that's a, a wonderful question actually. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you asked it. Uh, I hadn't really given much thought to it, uh, you know, prior to this, but you know, I, I think, I think about him now and, and all the stuff that I'm doing for, for veterans and giving back and, and finding a sense of purpose and a meaning for all of the tragedy that, that has taken place and, and doing something good with it. And I'd like to think that he'd be proud of that, that, sure. that he, that he would, you know, be like, you know what, this wasn't all for nothing. You know, yeah. my, my, my death, it wasn't meaningless. And, and I think if the roles were reversed and I, I was, I was out of the picture and he, he was here sitting here talking with you. Um, what I would want to say to him, you know, if he was still here is, you know, make sure it mattered, make, make sure that, you know, yeah. I didn't just, I didn't just die for nothing. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. Obviously make sure the family's taken care of my wife, and my, my, my son and my, the parents and everyone else in the family, make sure that they're taken care of, but, but make this mean something. You know, that make make it make it meaningful, and and I I just I pray that that I'm I'm doing it justice right now. You know, in, as far as you know, making making his sacrifice meaningful, and and uh, you know, not not letting it be for nothing. Yeah, and a great answer. I mean, on the spot, you weren't planning that. I wasn't planning that, but I mean, that was powerful. Um, and it kind of alludes to this other thing that you know, with the withdrawal in Afghanistan, a lot of the Gold Star families might be thinking, "Was that for nothing? Like, was all right. that tragedy and loss, you know, in vain?" Or so along the lines of what you just talked about, you know, would you say to those families, "Hey"? it was worthy. It still is. It was honorable. It still is. It was not a, a waste. I mean, what would you say in your words? Yeah. I mean, th there's no sugarcoating what, what took place over there. I mean, it was, mm -hmm. it was botched. It was not well done. Mm -hmm. um, but, but when you look at, at someone who died at any point during the 20 years that we were over there in Afghanistan uh, and, and you look at them and say, okay, well, you know, maybe their, their sacrifice was all for nothing. And, and I, I just can't wrap my head around that. And I, I just can't imagine that it was for, for nothing. Um, you know, we did a lot of good over there by, by taking the fight over there to the enemy and, yeah. and preventing another nine 11 kind of attack here at home. Mm. Uh, you know, for 20 years, we didn't have planes falling out of the sky and crashing into our buildings or into our mm. fields or anything like that. We, like, we didn't have that. And we have a whole generation of, of people who never, never witnessed that never never they were born after 9-11 and they never experienced that firsthand they, they didn't know what it was like to sit there and watch buildings collapse on television live on television you know mm -hmm. and and for all the people who served over there including my brother you know and and all the other thousands of, of people who were killed over there you know that's on us you know we we did that we stopped 
any future attacks by by keeping the fight over there. They were too too busy trying to figure out how to fight us over there that they didn't have time to figure out how to yeah. fight us back here. And so, so you know, look at it that way. Look at you know, we we saved countless American lives here, um, but we also saved countless Afghan lives where they yeah. didn't have to live under the oppressive Taliban. Uh, rule right. for all those 20 years um you know yeah granted they they lived in a war-torn country and there was you know there were some mishaps here and there that that took place but but generally speaking the the people of afghanistan had had it much better than in that 20-year period than they did uh for you know the the years prior uh you yeah. know when when the taliban was in power and 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 look at like the the girls the little girls who actually got to go to school for the first time ever uh you know and and some of those girls are are adults now and yeah. they are, you know, po possibly even parents of their, you know, with children of their own. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I know as a father, I, I want better for my kids than I ever had. I, I want them to have the best and, and, and mm -hmm. help them in any way that I can to get that. And I can only imagine that those, those Afghan parents now who are, uh, who had the opportunity to go to school and who had the opportunity to, uh, you know, have, uh, you know, some of the, the benefits of that we provided to them and some of the relative freedom that, that we provided over there. Uh, I can only imagine that they want that for their kids too. And yeah. I just, I pray that they are, are uh, willing to stand up and fight for it and, and take yeah. their country back and, and right. not just sit there and take it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a good way to look at it and, and nothing's wasted. I don't think God wastes anything. And I, I think that, uh, definitely a reason to be over there. Definitely, you know, some would say for as long as we were there or not, you know, you can split hairs on that. But like you said, we created a security over here at the very least um, mm -hmm. where people who were born after 9-11 could rest on their head on their pillow at night, you know, and, and take heart in knowing they were safe. And, and I think that's never a wasted cause. Um, yeah. Man, I like the way you put that. So, you know, as we talk about kind of, you know, just you're, you know, moving forward and, and some of the, I don't know, statistics that are out there, you know, better than I, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that I'm accurate when I say, and you alluded to this earlier, but, you know, suicide uh, of, of veterans uh, surpasses the number of combat deaths. Uh, oh, for sure. In, 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 so that's a real thing and it continues to be a real thing. Um, but so in your work, that you're talking to these folks, you're helping these, these resources, these organizations that are trying to help these veterans. What are you most proud of? Just kind of about what Scott DeLucio is doing and your footprint in that climate, that environment of helping veterans. Like, what are you most proud of so far? And then what, what work do you have left to do? Oh, you know, there's a lot of work to do. Um, you know, I'll, I'll start with that. I mean, that, that 22, uh, a day number that that gets thrown mm -hmm. around of you know the veteran suicide um you know that that number is you know that number obviously like any other statistic it's going to fluctuate over time yeah um but as long as that number is not zero there, there's always going to be work to do mm -hmm. um and and we we need to to work on that and get that down as as low as as, as we possibly can uh you know and I, i'm realistic about it you know we we we're not gonna you know snap our fingers and get that number down to you know even half of what it is now uh just overnight um you know with it with anything that we do um but i think the thing that i i think i can be most proud of is is helping to change the culture and helping to erase that stigma 
that surrounds like mental health related issues where people are just afraid to even go and ask for help. Uh, you know, I just talked to a guy earlier today who, uh, you know, he, he was in a, a dark place and he, he needed help. Um, and when he, he went to the, the hospital, uh, they said they were going to admit him into a, uh, you know, a, a, a mental health uh, treatment uh, plan. And he was like, no, no, you're not. I'm not doing that because, you know, all of the, the clout that I've built up over all these years and all the, the stuff that I have with all my, my soldiers and everything they're they're going to look at me differently now. And they're going to, they're going to think of, of me as this weak soldier and, and who can't handle, you know, a little bit of combat or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, you know, but then he said to himself, you know what, I, I need to be a leader. I I need to be able to, to show these guys that it's okay to go and get help and to, to ask for help when you need it. And so what he did was he, he ended up telling his, his uh, platoon sergeant to say, you know what, be truthful with these guys and let them know where I am and why I'm there. And, and uh, you know, that, that message to me was just su super powerful because mm -hmm. it, it just went to show, you know, how good of a leader this guy was. He didn't care about the clout and all that other stuff. You know, you can get that back later if he if he lost anything. But but what he did was he showed the people who might be struggling in their own way in in silence and not saying anything because they're afraid mm -hmm. to. He showed them that there is a way to to go and get help. And and you know what? After he did that, after he went to go to that mental health uh, treatment, um, he came back so much better. And and he was a better soldier, a better leader, and a better you know just all around better person. And and so it just goes to show that, you know, if we can erase that stigma and, and let people know that it's okay to go and get help, I mean, imagine how, how much stronger and more powerful our, our military and our society would be if, if we actually just take care of these things you know, yeah. and, and nip that in the bud. Man. Yeah. And, and I know there's a, there's a tall mountain to climb with mm -hmm. that. And, and I know it goes back to, some of it goes back to just the, the like you said, the, the stigma that it, that military are just, you know, invincible and strong and tough, and they are, but I think that there's a pride factor that prevents them from getting the help that they need, and, and you right. know, it's easy for me to sit here and say all that because I'm not in those shoes, but hopefully enough guys like you and organizations out there are able to reach out and kind of wrap their arms around this group of veterans that do need the help. And hopefully we can see this number kind of deteriorate. Uh, will it be zero ever? I don't know. But like you said, if it's one, it's too many. Um, so man, as we kind of close up shop a little bit on this conversation, uh, I kind of want to get your thoughts on one other thing being in the civilian world over here. What, what, what's a misconception that non-military service members like me or just the general public, what's a misconception we have about soldiers that are overseas fighting on our behalf? You know, is there something that you wish we would all kind of understand about that soldier as a person and that cause that they're fighting for? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, there's a couple things and especially uh, with regards to mental health, um, you know, sometimes there, there's people who just think that all soldiers, all anyone who's served in combat, they're boom, instantly PTSD, no, no mm -hmm. matter what, like just across the board. And, and they just have that assumption uh, about, mm -hmm. about that. And that's not true. You know, I know plenty of people who, who do not 
have PTSD and they served in combat. They served in the same places I did. Mm-hmm. And, and they didn't have to, you know, they didn't have to deal with uh, PTSD when they, they came home either. Um, but the other thing to the PTSD uh, kind of uh, point there is that sometimes people think that only soldiers, only people who were in combat, only people who uh, were shot at or blown up or what have you uh, can experience PTSD. And that's not true either. Uh, PTSD can, can happen to just about anybody in, in a variety of situations. I mean, it, it's called post-traumatic stress disorder for a reason. You know, it's, it's the, the body's natural response uh, to a, an unnatural situation, a very traumatic situation. Uh, it could be a car accident. It could be, yeah. uh, you know, you can be attacked like robbed or mugged or, uh, you know, any number of, uh, you know, kind of physical attacks and you, that you can develop a PTSD uh, mm-hmm. response from, from those types of things as well. So, um, you know, it's a very real thing that affects everybody. It's, it's not a uniquely military problem. Mm-hmm. It, it's a problem that, that can affect everybody and it, and it can affect you, uh, in the blink of an eye, and you may not even realize it's happening to you until weeks or months, or you know, even sometimes years down the line, and and you're you're like, oh my gosh, I I'm this is not who I used to be. Like, wh- where did that person go? And then you think back, and it you know it becomes crystal clear when you realize all the the trauma that you you experienced uh, that that caused that. And so, um, so yeah, you know, it, it's it's not it's not just the military that that deals with yeah. it. You know, it's good. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's probably a lot of other misconceptions that we have just because we're not, you know, as close to that situation that's going on overseas and, and some of the things the soldiers are dealing with, but uh, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, It's a good perspective and it's good kind of clarity for those of us who maybe, uh, you know, head not necessarily in the clouds, but maybe we're a little buffered. There's we're buffered from some of the realness that's going on with PTSD and we're not up close to it like you are. So I appreciate you shedding some light on that. Um, man, tell us, uh, tell the listeners for sure, like where we can find some of your resources, your book, your podcast, kind of your website and and maybe, uh, ways that we can kind of help get behind this, this cause for veterans. Yeah, sure. So uh, for the book, uh, the book Surviving Son, um, you can find that on Amazon. Uh, it's in Kindle paperback hardcover format. So however you like to read it, mm-hmm. uh, it should be good to go there. Uh, the podcast Drive On Podcast, uh, you can go to driveonpodcast.com and uh, subscribe to it wherever you listen to the podcasts. Um, and as far as resources on my my podcast page, uh, my, my website, I have a list of resources that are available for anyone who is, is struggling with mental health issues, substance abuse, uh, you know, any number of, of uh, issues, uh, uh, even resources for gold star families who, you know, anyone who's lost a, a loved one overseas uh, in, in combat or, or whatever, uh, you know, there's resources for them there as well. Uh, my, in my book, I have, I have a whole section of resources mm-hmm. dedicated to, uh, you know, that, that people can find, uh, help for whatever it is that they're looking for. So, um, you know, I really encourage people to pick up a copy of the book, uh, you know, read it, learn about, uh, you know, the, the right way to do things, learn from my mistakes. Right. Um, but also learn about the sacrifices. You know, if you didn't know anybody who who served overseas uh, or, or in the military at all, um, 
you know, you, you may just not be aware and you might, might want to learn a little bit about that. So mm -hmm. learn about the sacrifices that, that are made, uh, learn how it affects our families and our communities. Uh, and yeah, I, I think that's, that's, that's good. It. That's good. Hey, I mean, I appreciate you being on today. It's been an honor to hear your story. Thanks for being so transparent and authentic because that really resonates. Um, it resonates with me. I know it resonates with the resonates with the listeners. So on behalf of them, thank you for coming on audience. Uh, this has been powerful. Um, we're, we're thankful to have guests like Scott come on. And so I, I just hope you can go out and get his resources, support the veterans, uh, on any sort of platform that you can find the PTSD for sure is a hot, uh, button right now for sure. And there's plenty of people suffering from that. So we can really all do our part, but until next time, he's been Scott DeLucio. We've been last in line. Be blessed.